We're going to look this morning uh, at the closing verses of Acts chapter 2, uh, where we have a description of the church in Jerusalem. And uh, verse 42 tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And uh, we're thinking this morning about what kind of church the Holy Spirit creates. Because here is an example of a church, a congregation of believers uh, who were created by God, the Holy Spirit, who came on the day of Pentecost and uh, of the kind of life they lived, the things they did and the difference that they made to the world around them. Because the history, and the growth and the development of the Church of Jesus Christ reveals the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to heaven that they would be witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to all the world. And uh, that's what actually happened. It's a very wonderful thing that this small group of people in Jerusalem should have been able to take the message of Jesus Christ to all the world and to fulfill God's purpose promised in Abraham that in him all families on earth would be blessed. And there's that wonderful vision in the book of Revelation of the church in the presence of God, where John says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. That's the ultimate goal of the church. Uh, people from all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues. And it's a striking thing uh, that out of the oh, more than 7 billion people who live in the world, more than 2 billion profess to be Christians. Now, it may be, as we understand it, that not all of those truly know the Lord but they identify with him, and many of them do know him. And isn't it amazing that this little group of people under great pressure in Jerusalem should have been able to begin a work that would take the gospel to the nations of the world. And, and they, the reason they were able to do it was because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the three-in-one God, came uh, as Jesus had promised. So the Church of Jesus Christ is Catholic, not Roman Catholic, but as the Apostles' Creed tells us, the Holy Catholic Church, which means universal, people from all nations. And I want us to consider what kind of church the Holy Spirit creates. Because if you were to ask people in Klidach today, generally, what do you understand by the church? Now, their understanding would probably be to do with a, a building, quite a large building in the community, uh, with leaders who wear special clothes, uh, with rituals and ceremonies. It's there you have your children baptized if you choose to. It's there that you go if you want to be married in church. And it's there you go when someone dies. And uh, so they will think in those terms. Leaders are very prominent. Not many people go to the church, but that's their, their picture. And we know that the Church of Jesus Christ is something much more than that. And uh, it's important for us not to be satisfied simply with pointing out the weaknesses uh, of other churches, but to ask ourselves, are we like the church in Jerusalem? Are the things that were true of them true of us? Uh, this whole history of the church in the uh, 
early chapters of Acts is, is very exciting. The Lord Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, and he was teaching them and preparing them for the great work ahead, and especially for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then they saw him ascend into heaven, and they had that wonderful promise that this same Jesus, whom you have seen going into heaven, will come again in the same way you saw him go. And they went back to the upper room, and they had been told to wait for the promise of the Father. And there were about 120 people, not a great number, thinking of the great task they had to do. And there they prayed. And then on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples. And uh, they were able to proclaim the good news of Jesus without fear. Peter, who had just a few weeks before denied his Lord three times, is the preacher. And he fearlessly proclaims the message of Jesus and calls upon the people to recognize Jesus as the Christ and to turn from their sins and to receive him as their savior. And uh, we're told in verse 41 that uh, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 uh, were added to their number that day. A most remarkable time when the church grew from 120 to 3,000 in one day because the good news of Jesus was preached in the power of the Spirit. And then we have this little description of the believing community in Jerusalem. Not all those who believed on the day of Pentecost lived in Jerusalem, but some of them did. And they began to gather together. They were new Christians. And uh, although they had known what it was to go to the synagogue, now things were different. And uh, they were able to, to meet together and to share a common life together. And one of the holy things the Holy Spirit gave to these people was life, a new life, a vigorous life that displayed itself in the way that they lived. And uh, the Holy Spirit has come to be with the church always. Jesus said the, the helper, the Holy Spirit would come the spirit of truth. He would be with you forever. He, he's with us now. Sometimes people pray as if we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to come every time we meet, as if he might not come. But he indwells every Christian. And when Christians gather together, he is with us. And the marks of the church, the signs of those who are God's people are the same today as they were in Jerusalem uh, in the first century. The, the gracious effects, the influence of the Holy Spirit is always the same. It produces certain things in those uh, who know the Lord and are indwelt by the Spirit. And I want us just to look at some of the things we're told about these Christians, because we're at an important time uh, in the life of our churches here in Wales, in Britain, indeed around the world, because we've had a massive disruption to our regular life because of the pandemic, the coronavirus. And uh, many churches have been closed. And uh, then churches have been doing as we are today, their services online, a very different kind of, of service from what we're used to. And we may not have seen each other much, certainly not to meet as Christians. And we're facing the challenges of reopening. And uh, that's not going to be easy. There's still a measure of fear around because of the virus. 
And uh, we've also got into patterns of behavior, which are different from what they were. And uh, we not only want to go back to the way we were, but, but we want to live in a better way and to be better churches than we were before the coronavirus came, to have learned lessons, to appreciate things more that we didn't appreciate much before the virus came, and to be effective witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ. So what were the characteristics of this church in Jerusalem? Well, the first is this, that they were people who had been born of the Spirit through the Word of God. Peter preached on the uh, day of Pentecost, and uh, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Many of the people who were listening to him that day had been uh, in Jerusalem uh, on the time, at the time of Passover. And they may have been in a crowd which called out, crucify him, crucify him. And now Peter is saying, well, you need to repent of what you have done because God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And it's quite obvious that these people were changed. Uh, instead of hating Jesus, they came to love him. Instead of misunderstanding what his death was all about, they realized that he was God's lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, they knew too from these apostles who were eyewitnesses of his resurrection that Jesus had been raised on the third day and was now in heaven. And he was the one who had poured out the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. And this was a life-changing experience for them. It was the work of God's Spirit in them. So Peter preached in the power of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit did a work in many of those who listened to him. It was much more than human influence. There was no clever technique. There were no sacraments involved here in coming to faith, though those who came to faith were baptized. And uh, so they were born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And that created a, a spiritual fellowship. And every true church is a gathering of believers, uh, born of his spirit, washed in his blood, as one hymn says. And gathering together as a church is really important. I listened this morning to a, a service on BBC Radio 4 uh, coming from Llandidno, from the church of Tidno. Uh, on the Great Orm, and uh, the man who was speaking, who was the Bishop of Bangor, asked the question, well, when do people receive the Holy Spirit? And his answer, being a high churchman, an Anglo-Catholic, uh, said, well, when a child is baptized, they receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, but that's not how someone is born again. It's, it's something that happens when God regenerates us and uh, is not to be linked with a, with a sacrament. The sacrament is a sign which points to something that is already done. God has done it by his spirit. And so that's important to understand that these people were spiritually alive. Uh, they, they were not just traditional churchgoers. They were not just people who were religious by nature, but they had received new life by the power of the spirit as they had put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if that's true of you. Uh, can you say, yes, I have been born of his spirit. There was once a time when I didn't think anything of Jesus, or I trusted in myself uh, that my own good works would be enough. But then I realized my need, 
and I put my trust in Jesus turning from my sins, and I received new life. And uh, that's what happened. That's, there was, that's why there was life in the church, because each of these people had come to spiritual life by the power of the Spirit. And we're told, secondly, that having been born of the Spirit through the Word, that they were devoted, they were steadfast in certain things. Uh, the Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, the Breaking of Bread, which means the Lord's Supper, and prayer, prayers. These were the characteristics of the early Christians. This was the simplicity of their church life together. And they're things that are still really important in the life of uh, Holy Spirit created churches. They're things which are always prominent where God's people know and love the Lord Jesus. And every aspect is important and only together do they meet our, our real need. Uh, sometimes today people emphasize just one aspect. So, for instance, during this time of pandemic, people have said, well, as long as I hear a sermon, uh, that's all I need. I'll hear it online. I can choose who I listen to, and that'll be enough to keep me going. But it's more than that. And indeed, there are those who God calls to, to minister the word to particular congregations. It's wonderful to be able to hear other preachers, but they don't keep watch over our souls as men who must give an account. That's the task of the pastor of the local church who feeds the sheep. And uh, so here were the apostles teaching these new Christians of all that Jesus had said and done. And uh, the Christians were devoted to it. They were steadfast in it. And then there was fellowship, and we're going to develop that a bit more as we see some of the things they did together. Um, but they were together. Uh, they were united in, in common desires to serve the Lord. Uh, and fellowship is really important. It's one of the things which we've tried to replicate by breakout rooms. Rooms, it's been good to do that, but there's much more to fellowship than that. And then the breaking of prayer, it's been difficult to, to meet together. Uh, to remember the Lord's death. Some churches have arranged to do it online. Others have not been convinced that's what we should do. And it's good that you're going to be gathering soon to do that in Klidach. Um, But uh, again, just remembering the Lord and his death for us. They did that regularly. And it was a precious thing to them. And they knew as they remembered his death that one day he would come again, as he had promised. And they looked forward to that with eager anticipation. And then there was prayer. Prayers, it is literally, it's a plural. These people were always praying, praying together. Corporate prayer was really important to them. It's good to be able to pray personally, but praying together is vital to the life of the church. And uh, often you find these Christians who are facing persecution from the beginning, that in times of need and of crisis, they turned to God and he wonderfully answered their prayers. It wasn't just the prayer meeting, it was praying that really mattered to them. And of course, they did that when they met together. And you just see all these things together, feeding and enabling and equipping the church for its task. So for instance, do you feel the importance of all these things equally? 
that you hear the word of God when it is preached and taught. And you, you seek not just to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. You're conscious of being together with your fellow Christians in fellowship, koinonia. And you value every chance to meet together. And those times when we meet around the Lord's table remind us that we're all dependent upon the Saviour. Uh, for forgiveness of sins and peace with God. And one day he's coming again and we combine in prayer, prayer for ourselves, prayer for the glory of God, prayer for the salvation of the world. It's clear that we're, we're struggling in a number of those areas. Uh, many Christians who could be uh, present more often are not present at various meetings of the church. And uh, the virus has probably made it even more complicated for us. But the Holy Spirit creates a church of people who've been born of the Spirit through the Word of God and who are steadfast and devoted in these means of grace, these four things which are mentioned here. And then again, we're told something else about them in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. Uh, there was a sense of God's presence. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostle. God was amongst them. God was doing things and uh, showing that these were his people and that Jesus Christ really is uh, the saviour. And uh, it wasn't just a noisy, uh, loud worship. Uh, there was a sense of God's presence. I remember hearing a man preach some years ago who described an occasion he was at and Everyone was praising God, and he, he said something like this. It was like being on the cop when Liverpool score a goal. It's not like that at all. It's a sense of God and of his presence and of awe. Are we conscious of God when we meet? Not just because of the building or the place we meet in, but because we are the people of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it isn't just going to church in a religious sense. It's the people of God gathering. And whenever we gather, that sense of awe and reverence, which is not simply quietness and stillness, but seriousness about seeking God, makes a difference. A sense of expectation that God was going to do things. And these, these young Christians uh, had that sense of awe because God had, had done great things for them and was still working amongst them. And uh, these wonders and signs were done by the apostles. When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he's seeking to help them to know how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit that had been given to them, he speaks about the whole church coming together. And he's really discouraging them from using the gift of tongues, which had to be interpreted. And he says this, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, not just by the speaker, but by all, by the way in which the church behaves when it's gathered together. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And falling down on his face, he will worship God and say that God is truly among you. And uh, so he goes on to say to them, Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. You know, if a non-Christian comes in, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? We're so encouraged by that. But what we want them to say is not those wonderful meet you, 
because of us and who we are, but because I sensed that God was there, uh, that God was among you. And, and, and that's the glorious thing. Not, not just that they got a welcome, that's important. Um, not just felt that people were kind to them, that's, that's good too. But God is there. And that's the sense you had in Jerusalem when these people gathered. They had no building to gather in of their own. They met at the temple courts and other places as they could. But, but God was there. And it came from their attitude to him and their attitude to each other and their wonderful experience of his grace in Jesus Christ. And then we're told that all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, this was a wonderful thing in the church in Jerusalem. They were a persecuted people. They were in need and they'd been cut off uh, by their Jewish families and friends in many cases. And uh, so they cared for one another, this community of goods. And uh, people are often keen to tell us that that's just something they did, but it doesn't have an application to us. And that may be right in the details of what they did, but the spirit of what they did is something that should always be true of Christian people. Uh, later in, in Acts chapter four, we're told that there was no needy person among them uh, because they shared what they had and uh, they sold their, their possessions. And uh, it was part of their togetherness, this unity that had been created, this sense of belonging to each other, it arose out of that. Uh, and you see, it's that togetherness that, that really matters. It's possible for a Christian to think individually. I go to church to get what I want. And if it's a good sermon, I'm glad. And I, I, I shake hands with people. I exchange news with them. I'm, I'm glad that Swansea are through to the playoff final and we chat about that. But then I go away and I carry on with my own life. I've got stuff to do, things I like doing. But they were together and it was a deep togetherness. It was much more than their temperament. They were united in faith. They were united in a common purpose and desire. They were united by the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit who creates that unity of being in Christ. And uh, we can't create it, but we can spoil it. Uh, so Paul writes to the Ephesians and says that he wants them to endeavour to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So whether we're meeting to worship God or we're meeting in what we call our church business meetings, togetherness and unity is so important. And it's that God-given, that God-created unity that we can spoil. Uh, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by whom we were sealed until the day of redemption. And these Christians had this sense of togetherness. And one expression of that togetherness was this having all things in common. And uh, there were many of them, lots of people who had needs. And they were, in Acts 4, we're told that those who believed were of one heart and one soul. You think of the wonderful relationship, the friendship between David and Jonathan. Uh, they loved one another as they loved themselves. They were one in spirit. And here is a company of people who have this sense of, of oneness in Christ. And, and nobody said that what they had was their own, but they held all things in common. What I've been given is for not just my benefit, my family's benefit, but for the benefit of others as well. And obviously that didn't necessarily continue, although you read of 
great generosity being shown by the Gentile churches when Paul makes a collection uh, for the needy Jewish believers. And though they've never met them, they send a generous gift to them and they, they give sacrificially to that. That was the same spirit you see in the Gentile churches that you find here in the church in Jerusalem. And uh, Barnabas, we first read of, uh, who came from Cyprus. He was a Levite and he had land, land that he obviously didn't need, he didn't use, so he sold it. And he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He trusted the apostles to distribute uh, that money to those needy. And the result was there was no needy person amongst them. And uh, so this wonderful generosity, they were together, they were generous. There was a wonderful spirit, an outgoing spirit, wanting to uh, meet other people and to help them. And uh, it was a, a Holy Spirit characteristic of this Jerusalem church. Isn't it a wonderful picture of these people? And we're told that it, it happened every day. It wasn't just on Sundays or on prayer meeting night. But in verse 40, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and met together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here's a, an everyday relationship. Some years ago, I visited Moldova, where Maureen Wise uh, has been involved in a, a wonderful ministry to, to people who come out of the closed institutions in Moldova. And uh, while I was there, I spoke at a, a pastor's conference. Uh, and, and also each night, uh, we went out uh, to a church and uh, met with different congregations of God's people. And Moldova is a very poor country, and Christians are by and large not wealthy people, but they are rich in faith. And uh, in those churches, uh, every night, the people gathered together, not simply because we were there, but that was their custom. They had 24 uh, seven Christian radio, which they could listen to in their cars, um, but they didn't sit around the television, they, they met together. And, and when I was with them, it made me think of what it would have been like years ago in Wales, where the, uh, the Christians gathered regularly and daily. And, and when they gathered in Moldova, they, they sang, they had reading some scripture, they had some ministry of the word, and that was the center of their lives. And we need to ask ourselves sometimes, where is my, the expression of my Christian faith in terms of my priority? Is it in the center or is it on the periphery? Is the center of my life somewhere else? Are the things I give my best time and energy to somewhere else? It wasn't like that, you see, for the Christians in Jerusalem, these new Christians. Every day uh, they were constant and consistent and they, they gathered to to hear the word of God, to fellowship, to share, to remember the Lord's death and to pray. And uh, their new life in Christ meant everything to them. You see, that's the kind of church that the Holy Spirit creates. People who are every day uh, about the, the Lord's business. Um, Jesus said to his mother and father when they lost him in Jerusalem, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business, my father's things. That was what preoccupied him 
And once we know the Savior, those are the things that matter more than anything else. Of course, we've got to do all our daily things, and there's lots to do. But the heart of everything is our relationship with Christ and our relationship with one another within the local congregation. And so we read of hospitality and fellowship and gladness and sincerity and praise and a a good reputation. You see, the people looking on who didn't know Jesus could say, you know, these people have got a wonderful life together. Of course, they were hated. They were persecuted uh, viciously and violently. But people could see the difference that their faith in Jesus Christ had made. It had touched every aspect of their lives. And uh, they were transformed people. And this fellowship was expressing that in a, in a wonderful way. Warmth, contentment, reality, thankfulness, and winsomeness. And, you know, that's what our generation needs to see in us. Our generation, especially the younger people, are not interested just in our doctrines and what we believe. They are interested in what difference the things we believe make to our daily lives. The things they see. James says in his letter, show me your faith without your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. And people are saying, so what difference does it make to be a Christian? Or I go to a church service at half past ten every Sunday morning. Is that all? What about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? What difference does it make then? What does it mean to belong to a, a fellowship of believers? You believe in prayer. So how many people come to prayer? Or just a handful. Most people don't come, do they? You see, it's not real. It's not convincing to those around us because they might look at us and say, well, really, you know, you're just like us with a sort of religious icing. But the heart of it is, is not there. And we need to find that life in a post-virus world or post-pandemic world. Anyway, perhaps not post-virus. People need to see what work the Holy Spirit does in us, that wonderful work that he does, which changes everything. And uh, their homes were important, and uh, they prayed more and more. And, and what happened? Well, God blessed them. Of course he blessed them. There was bound to be blessing upon this Holy Spirit life in these Christians. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And you see, there's a relationship, isn't there, between the quality of life which these uh, Christians enjoyed and the fact that the Lord added to their number. Uh, and we long to see more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, professions of faith and baptisms of new believers are comparatively rare. And it's linked, at least in part, not only to the difficult days in which we're living and the general disinterest in religion, but also to the way we live together as God's people. The more vital and real we are, the more people will say to us, you know, you have something that I don't have. And people will recognize the difference. And, and in a world that is empty, uh, where for many there's spiritual uh, abundance, but there's not spiritual abundance, there's an emptiness. What will it profit about if you gain the whole world? and lose his own soul. And people are wondering, what's life all about? What's the meaning of it all? And uh, the pandemic has made people conscious of our mortality and many people have lost loved ones 
uh, in this terrible time. And then they see a company of people just like them, and yet they have something different. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's changed them, not just changed them on the edges, but changed them in their hearts and made them new people. And, you know, whenever people are being converted regularly, it's a testimony. There's another family which sees a work of God's grace. There's another street which sees another new believer. There's another community which sees one after the other after the other being added to the church. And God adds people to the church that is living like these people. These were Jewish people, very different in their culture from us. And yet people who had been born of the Spirit and been washed in his blood. And as we think about our own Christian lives, how important is that corporate life, that life together with our fellow Christians? As we've not been able to meet together very often because of the pandemic, are we longing to meet and not just to meet, but to express this fullness of life, which we see in the church in Jerusalem and to see God working. You see, it wasn't that they added to their number, but the Lord did that. The Lord's smile was upon them. His blessing was upon them. And uh, we need to pray that we will know that blessing amongst us in our life and fellowship together as Christians. And then through the same Holy Spirit, seeing the lives of others around us changing. There's such a desperate need for, not, not for our benefit, not, not for the continuity of the church, though that is important, but that these people uh, might know life which is abundant, life which is, which is real, uh, life which is eternal in Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit came and Peter preached the gospel in the power of the Spirit. And as a result, many believed they were born of the Spirit through the word. And then they were all together in this wonderful common life. May God help us uh, to know uh, a reviving of our own hearts and souls and of the life of our churches, uh, that we might have the joy of seeing many others uh, coming to know him and being added to the church.